Part four of the night the mountain fell the story of the montana yellowstone earthquake by edmund christopherson this librivox recording is in the public domain part four mystery who got it with the primary emergency rescuing the injured and freeing the trap contained there still remained the perplexing problem of trying to figure out just how many were still buried under the eighty million ton rock slide early guesses put the figure in the hundreds the infeasibility of moving forty three million cubic yards of collapsed mountain in quest of this gruesome total was almost immediately apparent aerial photos taken that next morning showed that the slide hadn't covered the improved portion of rock creek campground the section with five formally laid out campsites each with parking spot fireplace picnic tables etc but this didn't help much toward an estimate of the total buried because of the informal fashion in which both trailer and tent campers would set up for the night anywhere they could find a level spot fred brower of the forest service fire control division in region one headquarters in missoula spent quite a bit of time talking to survivors and others who might help to establish a probable total reverend ost who'd been camped in rock creek campground said that he had counted twenty-one trailers between the mouth of the madison canyon and the spot he camped the undertaker in ennis charles raper put his estimate at one hundred to a hundred and sixty brower found that marshal george hibbert of the town of ennis had been on a fishing trip in the vicinity of the slide area on monday august seventeenth and for some inexplicable reason decided to cut the trip short leaving the area at nine thirty o'clock that night about two hours before the quake he guessed from his observations that there could be a hundred people under the slide guy hansen a west yellowstone fifth and sixth grade school teacher who was working that summer as a fire prevention guard for the forest service had periodically checked the madison valley campgrounds in one survey shortly before the quake he'd found five tents eight trailers and forty-two people in the rock creek campground in the adjacent unimproved area he'd counted another twenty-five people at noon the monday of the quake he'd help police the improved area and found six trailers parked there at midday he did not check the unimproved area from his familiarity with the campground hansen felt that forty campers were probably trapped under the slide brower chilled as hansen told him that the occupancy could be higher if there were groups such as boy scouts camped there he described how often he'd found scout encampments at rock creek and how one scoutmaster had told him that this was a favorite camping objective for many utah scout troops while brower was trying for an answer as to how many others were working on the question of just who was buried under the slide mrs t mark stowe of sandy utah was considered a probable from the first her husband was washed out from under the lower end of the slide and it was logical to deduce that she had been caught under the rock mass volunteers from ennis butte virginia city and elsewhere walked over the rugged slide for days searching for any kind of a clue which might help they turned up everything from fishing creels camp equipment and souvenir pillows to kids shoes 
one slidewalker found an exposed roll of film which was immediately heralded as a hot lead but when developed the film turned out to have been ruined by the water their findings were kept in a county warehouse in ennis much of it was claimed by those who escaped the debris so painstakingly gathered helped little in the search for identity the quest evolved into the painful job of waiting keeping lists sifting names from the moment the quake occurred and the fact that there were casualties became known phone calls telegrams and letters began surging in from all over the u s wanting to know about friends and relatives who might be in the area or among the victims the disaster service of the american red cross did a tremendous job through their teletype and telephone by taking over these inquiries and sending back information through the home service chapters don scarrett sheriff of gallatin county said one of the leads was a spaniel discovered wandering in the slide area the day after the quake the animal wore a salt lake dog license tag this seemed like a certain clue to the identity of some of the victims in response to scarrett's teletype inquiry salt lake police found that the dog supposed to be wearing the tag had been killed months before someone had hung the collar in a gas station subsequently this collar was put on another dog further probing developed that the dog in the quake area belonged to the ray painters of ogden utah mrs painter one of the casualties died in the bozeman hospital a couple of days after the quake scarrett who's like a quieter shorter version of keefe offer worked all that week and for months afterwards on the identity problem during the first weeks red cross volunteers and personnel worked around the clock to answer the flood of inquiries there were some three thousand of them they felt fortunate that no scout troops turned up missing these queries they painstakingly sifted sorted and winnowed down with tireless persistence they kept at it writing to the source of each of the thousands of inquiries to find out if the missing had turned up new inquiries kept coming in and still do asking about people that just plain haven't been heard from and their relatives or friends have thought of the slide as a possible explanation through tangible tie-ins like postcards letters the use of credit cards in the area just before the quake phone calls from the area they finally got down to a list of those highly probable as slide victims whose bodies will never be uncovered take the case of roger provost an official at the california state prison at soledad california he had been in touch with his office up to the date of the quake he was a methodical type upon leaving california he left a planned vacation itinerary stating that the family was to proceed from yellowstone down the madison river august eighteen nineteen twenty and twenty one and to bozeman etc several cards to friends and relatives postmarked august sixteen at west yellowstone montana stated that the family was at a trailer campsite on the madison river about thirty miles from yellowstone another family robert j williams and wife coy children michael seven stephen eleven and christie three of idaho falls had told relatives they planned on fishing the madison river they registered as visitors at the museum in Virginia City on August 17, 1959, and were not heard of again. 
Dr. Merle Edgerton and his wife Edna, in their car and trailer, were traveling with Harmon Woods and his wife Edna, who also brought their car and trailer. Dr. Edgerton kept in daily contact with his hospital in Coalinga, California, up to the time of the slide. He was last heard from on August 15, giving the family's location as on the Madison River outside Ennis, 35 miles from Yellowstone the complete list of those who on such evidence are considered buried under the monumental madison canyon slide totaled nineteen they are sidney d ballard wife and son of nelson b c bernie l boynton and wife inez of billings montana dr merle edgerton and wife edna of coalinga california roger provost and wife elizabeth and sons richard sixteen and david one and a half of soledad california mrs thomas mark stowe of sandy utah robert j williams and wife coy and children stephen eleven michael seven christy three of idaho falls idaho harmon woods and wife edna of coalinga california the other quake casualties include Mr. Pearlie Bennett and children, Tommy, Carol, and Susan of Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, who, along with Thomas Stowe of Sandy, Utah, were found below the slide. Mr. and Mrs. E. H. Stryker of San Mateo, California, were killed by the boulders at the Cliff Lake campground. Mrs. Myrtle Painter of Ogden, Utah, and Mrs. Margaret Holmes of Billings, Montana, died of quake injuries in the Bozeman Hospital. The final Montana Yellowstone earthquake death toll stands at 28. Civil Defense and Natural Disasters Natural disasters, like the Montana Yellowstone earthquake, are perhaps the best test of our civil defense readiness. Until the quake, Civil Defense Director Hugh Potter wasn't at all sure that he had an outfit at all. Operating on a short budget of $21,000 a year, with all of the third biggest sprawled-out state to organize, he'd set up, at least on paper, statewide and county civil defense groups. He'd compiled an exhaustive inventory of state facilities, resources, etc., complete to each minutiae as the number of aspirants in the state, 1,657,000, five grain tablets, and the amount of meat Montana's abundant wildlife represented, 58,517,725 pounds, including 1,000 bisons, 415 grizzly bears. The alerts he'd organized weren't notable successes, and he'd caught some hell from the higher-ups for not being current on the statewide alerts, which are supposed to be held at least once a year. Our people just aren't too enthusiastic about practice alerts, Potter says. Frankly, they feel it's a waste of time. They're busy. They don't want to play war. A guy will say, I want to go fishing, or put up a hay crop, or something. But let a real emergency happen, and they're right there. During the first day, Ed Cottingham and I were busy pulling triggers. I realized then that the most important thing I'd done during my seven years as civil defense director was getting around and getting to know who to phone, the people you can count on to get something done in an emergency. You can get the heck of a lot done if you know the right guy to call. There isn't a civil defense department that didn't check in right away to find out if they were needed. 
we're especially lucky to have the u s forest service the big slide happened in the beaverhead national forest in our area their experience and constantly organized readiness to meet the threat of forest fire right now makes them an ideal outfit for any emergency forest service firefighting squads transport equipment and information about the area are all set up to move in a matter of minutes they're most adaptable to the kind of crisis the earthquake threw at us you can tell the forest service your problem and quit worrying another important outfit is the montana forestry department which is set up to administer and protect the state's forests its boss gareth moon is head of the civil defense's rural firefighting section we have a good mobile law enforcement outfit in the montana highway patrol the montana fish and game department men in emergency serve as an excellent backwoods force frank wiley montana department of aeronautics director and one of the real pioneer pilots who can still fly anything from a jet to a jenny took over our flying problems at eight forty five a m as part of a civil defense emergency plan called operation bulldozer set up by the associated general contractors jack marlowe secretary of the montana contractors association had completed a list and location of all heavy construction equipment in the area and reported that all contractors were on standby in case they were needed the State Department of Health was on the ball, too. They were moving in personnel to test water in Ennis, West Yellowstone, and throughout the quake area by 9 the morning after the quake. At 9.15, word came in that the Red Cross was flying in emergency personnel from the West Coast. Potter was thrilled by the offers of help that kept Civil Defense Headquarter phones busy. General Keith R. Barney of the Army Corps of Engineers called, offering any help needed. The governors of Idaho and Wyoming and three Canadian provinces asked if there was anything they could do. Idaho's Highway Patrol actually came up and helped keep things under control in the West Yellowstone area several search and rescue outfits called offering aid a combined army navy and marine corps reserve unit from butte gathered their medical equipment and ambulances and sped to the ennis side of the slide as a voluntary unpaid action there were offers from the crack mine rescue teams from the famous anaconda company mines in butte when a call went out on the regular radio for housing for the Ennis evacuees, several hundred accommodations were phoned in to a local Butte station. Another abortive suggestion that men on horseback might be needed to search some of the impassable backcountry brought over a hundred volunteers in less than an hour. A Bozeman station was overwhelmed with offers in response to an announcement that station wagons would be needed at the airport to ambulance the wounded to the hospital. Nurses, doctors, National Guardsmen, skin divers, they all called in wanting to help. At Great Falls, where the Montana Red Cross Blood Bank was holding a regularly scheduled drawing when word came that they were flying blood to Bozeman to help the victims, so many volunteers showed up that the total exceeded 450 pints, and at closing time, 150 donors were still in line. We had special problems. Distance from any sizable town was one. I'd hate to think of the casualties if the quake hit a really populated area, Potter said. 
the mountains which obstruct short-wave signals and set up all sorts of radio blind spots made it difficult to get any sort of ground radio communications going it was impossible from the ground to signal to ennis or to hebgen dam from west yellowstone the radio amateurs did a tremendous job of helping those first few hours they set up a standby network and kept it clear for emergency messages one ham father francis a peterson w seven r k i from st anthony idaho one of the first to report the quake loaded up his gear drove to west yellowstone and by seven forty five a m the morning after the quake had set up radio control at the otherwise radioless west yellowstone airport another ham harold l better w seven j p d of dillon montana handled emergency communications from dillon the day after the quake then flew his equipment to the west yellowstone airport to help out too the problem was complicated by the multiplicity of wavelengths on which the various civilian and military agencies were operating we discovered that the high frequency bands the civil defense uses a hundred and fifty megacycles are useless in mountain country especially in the daytime lower frequencies thirty four point eighty two and forty six point eighty six megacycles did get through all that day or so we relied on the highway department plane which was radio equipped to get messages across the quake area it stayed in the air all day the mountain altitude at the dam the elevation is six thousand five hundred and fifty feet presented aviation difficulties too smaller helicopters couldn't make it and some of the bigger jobs were tricky to fly in the less dense mountain air we had difficulty with aerial sightseers in spite of our announcement that the fields at west yellowstone and ennis were closed to all but emergency aircraft planes flew in from all over charter pilots flew in from as far away as arizona and did a brisk business in flying the curious over the quake area at six dollars a head including the air force ships during the first few days the west yellowstone airport was as busy as chicago's midway field with planes taking off and landing at the rate of one a minute with all the traffic over the slide area it was a miracle that we got through the first week without a crash but as a result of the quake we know that any area which has this kind of emergency will make out okay with the wonderful spirit of people helping and wanting to help aftermath among the cataclysms of nature none is more terrifying than an earthquake and huge slides like the one triggered by the madison canyon earthquake are perhaps the most dramatic type of geological change in one sudden spectacular moment changes take place that make us think of the tremendous energy released by atomic fission the earth's mass moves in a volume that rocks the imagination and its effect on the people who are near or in the path of nature's huge impulsive seeming change helps us to realize how infinitesimal we are before the forces and laws of nature in 1903 a 40 million cubic yard rock slide crashed down from the crest of turtle mountain onto the coal mining town of frank alberta killing 70 people but the consequences of such huge slides aren't completed when the cliff toppling cease 
take the case of the famous june twenty three nineteen twenty five groventre slide in northwestern wyoming forty miles south of yellowstone park an estimated fifty million cubic yards of rock and debris plunged down the steep canyon wall shot across the valley floor and rushed some three hundred and fifty feet up the opposite wall of the canyon before it settled back like water sloshing in a huge bowl nobody was killed when this slide choked the groventre river it covered parts of two ranches and buried six head of cattle but two years later in may nineteen twenty seven the water dammed by the slide pushed out a big section of the slide and the sudden wave of water and debris washed away the town of kelly wyoming killing seven people this kind of possibility was in the mind of army corps of engineers missouri river chief keith r barney as he and lieutenant colonel walter h Holgrieve of the corps district offices at garrison dam in north dakota discussed the montana earthquakes action the slide represented a double threat to people in the madison valley below as an immediate effect of the slide the water flowing over a hebgen dam was stopped by the slide the formation of a lake behind the slide began the moment of the slide when it filled this two hundred and forty foot deep impoundment called earthquake or quake lake would exert an enormous pressure on the slide if the slide was composed of unstable material its collapse could in a repeat of the groventre tragedy bring death and destruction to the valley towns of ennis three forks and trident below the second and greater threat was the discovery that when quake lake filled its impounded water would lap at the foundations of hebgen dam and quite possibly undermine it releasing a volume of water seven times that of the earthquake caused reservoirs which could also sweep part of the slide along in its mad rush like the threat of a time bomb the rising level of quake lake and the increasing pressure of the water against the slide augmented by rumor kept the downstream towns in constant anxiety the army corps of engineers rushed into emergency action they flew in a fifty-man staff and set up headquarters in the stagecoach inn at west yellowstone the mines in butte were on strike and huge earth-moving equipment from the open pit operations along with rigs from other contractors worked around the clock to cut a two hundred and fifty foot wide and fourteen foot deep channel across the mile and a half long slide and armor it with rock so that the water couldn't cause sudden erosion of the rest of the slide before the water topped the huge natural dam on september ten water licked over the new spillway running into the riverbed just below which had been dry since the quake to the corps great surprise severe erosion tore the downstream face of the slide to remedy this they launched another crash program to cut a fifty-foot deep channel across the top of the slide it was completed october twenty nine the corps operations on the slide took a total of close to one million seven hundred thousand dollars of funds set up for such emergencies as a result the towns below the slide are safe from the flood threat the slide might represent end of part four